Thank you for joining us today for the preaching ministry of Dr. Chris Aiken, Senior Pastor of Inglewood Baptist Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Inglewood is a dynamic ministry reaching Eastern North Carolina and the world with the timeless truth of the gospel. For more information, visit us online at inglewoodbaptist.com. Now here's Pastor Chris with today's message. I want to talk with you this morning on a subject. The, the, if, if I were to just give you a word, I would say new. But that wouldn't be near interesting enough, so I'm going to give it to you in Greek. Kainos. And it's a series we're going to kick off and spend in in the next four or five weeks together uh, on the subject of having a whole new us. And that's why we're in Ephesians 4. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole new us. Over the last several years, <clears throat> sociologists, scientists, um, social scientists have spent time studying uh, habits of people in America. And one of the habits that they've looked at are the habits of resolution. I don't know if you know this or not, but four out of 10 people in America make what we call New Year's resolutions, or as I saw yesterday on uh, where I get my news, Facebook, uh, your to-do list for the first week of January. And uh, on that, on that uh, uh, four out of 10 people make resolutions every year. Well, you may say, well, that's interesting, but I've heard some folks don't keep resolutions. In fact, I heard the same thing. In fact, that's actually been the subject of a study. And since we live in a nation that funds such things through our tax dollars, you've probably paid for the study. So let me just tell you how your study came out. They've told us over the last several years of looking at this that 90% of people, of the 40% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions, 90% of them have given up on their resolutions by the end of the year. Only 1 in 10 of the 40% actually are still engaged in their initiative, their resolution at the end of the year. They also tell us that the top resolutions in the last several years have consistently been resolutions related to physical well-being. Number one being exercise, that's right. And second being, well, eating healthier. I'm not really a fan of that one, so let's skip it. And uh, then number three is losing weight. And all three of these make up the top three spiritual matters. Comes in around number five uh, in general, five or six over the last several years. But the majority of them deal with our physical appearance or our physical health, which by the way, I think is a stewardship we have from God. God gives us a stewardship over the physical body. In other words, it's, uh, it's, it's the, one of the main tools he gives us to be able to propagate the gospel, to carry the gospel into into the different parts of the world where we're engaged in doing that. So they're good goals. And yet still only one in 10 are actually still committed to the goal at the end. And you may ask yourself the question, I do, what's the difference between those who actually accomplish the resolution, they fulfilled it, and those that don't? What's the, what's the real difference between the two? Is it some kind of an external factor? Is it something internal? Well, in the studies, they talk about that too. And one of the number one reasons people gave for uh, stepping away from a resolution uh, it could really be summarized in a sentence. It'd say, I thought I could do X, but it proved to be too hard once I got into it. And that's why I never finished it. That's, that's one of the solutions. What if though, the actual reason we couldn't fulfill a resolution were tied something, maybe pull up a little bit on the stick, go up to a little bit higher level and just ask the question, what if it's our approach to the problem? What if we seek to correct something, but we're doing it from the outside in rather than using the power given to us to do it from the inside out? 
Could it be that God designed for us to be able to make changes, to, to live better, to live differently, to do those things, but he did it not so that we would go out and put on a show and then somehow we'd be better, but that we'd be better and somehow be able to manifest that on the outside. What if we was never, in, what if we was never, where am I from, South Carolina? What if we were never intended to do it from the outside in, let me get better, and rather do it from the inside out, Jesus make me better and let me work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. That's true in physical arenas, but I want to speak this morning really of something of vastly greater significance or importance, the real point of our existence. And I'd argue that the real power to address every area of life, including those physical concerns and needs, comes right down to this. It comes down to our power that we find in Christ. Now, I've read recently, uh, that's what you get when you get some time away from, from the office as you, you just sit around and read stuff. And uh, I read recently where uh, someone made this statement, they said, all religions are basically the same. And I thought, well, that's an interesting statement. So uh, I don't agree with it, but it's, it's an interesting statement. I could agree with it if the point of religion were in order for us to uh, take a bad person and make them into a good person, then I'd say, well, then in essence, yeah, all religions basically are the same. Whether you're a Hindu or a Muslim or uh, a Buddhist or a Taoist or an atheist or an agnostic or a Christian, uh, you could say, man, that if the point of religion is just to be from, take bad people and make them good, then all religions basically are the same. But in Christianity, our faith is different than that. Our faith is not take bad people and make them good. The aim of Christianity is far different. It's, it's one of relationship rather than rules or processes. We're not connected to a process, but as Christ followers, we're connected to a person. Our faith then charges us to walk more closely with Jesus, to embrace his passions, to emulate his devotion, and to adopt his affections. And as this happens we'll find that he is sufficiently guiding and working on the inside of us to bring about the results that we desired, but do it for his own glory. Well, how do you get there? I can tell you this, you're not to be passive. We're not passive in that process. In order to get there, we are active, and it begins with a commitment to a whole new us. Ephesians 4, we're going to begin in verse 17, and if, I, if you're able, can I invite you to stand with me in honor of the Word of God? And if you're joining us from home, I'm blessed. I know we got many people traveling uh, this weekend. Thank you for uh, joining with us. If you are, then follow along with the Scriptures. I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17, Paul writing says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to a sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And 
put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Would you pray with me? Father, in these moments, would you help us to understand what it is for us to put off the old, put on the new, and to have our minds renewed. And then I pray as we understand that, God, we would embrace it and that you would receive glory. Thank you. Teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You be seated. Thank you for standing. There is an outline available for you on the app or by texting the word notes to the number that you see on the screen. I want to show you three essentials that kind of, uh, as we kick off, really introduce this message on a, a whole new us. We'll unpack it more in detail over the next several weeks. I would encourage you to stay tuned in uh, or to come and be a part of that as we look at some specific areas. But I want to talk about the subject of becoming a holy new us, a whole new us. The first instruction Paul would give us if he were standing here and he were brought up to the, the, the witness box in the courtroom and they said, tell us what is the first thing we must do in order to have a whole new us, he would testify to us, you must first of all lay aside the old. Lay aside the old. That's what he tells the Ephesians. Look at verse 22 again. He says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Now, in the passage, you noticed it as we walked through there, and I've referenced it as we prayed. But in the passage, Paul speaks of a former way of living and a new way of living that are separated really only by one thing, and it's one's own conversion to Christ. This old and this new are separated not by I'm going to do better, but by I got saved. And when I became a Christ follower, God put the tools within me. God put the power within me in order to embrace and experience this new life, which I must choose to embrace. But before you can put on the new, you can't just add to, you've got to first put off the old. And he describes for us the old life. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it maybe differently from an order than, than what you've read, but I want you to notice with me how he describes the old life. Look at verse 19. He says, and they, now he's speaking of those people who are far from God. He says, they, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And in reality, we understand that. It kind of typifies, if you will, our culture, our society today. Hey, you do you. Hey, you be happy. Hey, you follow your truth. You pursue what really works for you. That's the idea that he's talking about here. And he's saying people far from God live in pursuit of a sensuality in chasing these desires. Life before God is one of a calloused heart that seeks fulfillment in pursuing literally here excess and sensual pleasure as a means of fulfillment. Now you've got the extreme examples of this because listen they're baptized versions of it as well. But it's the man who seeks satisfaction through yielding to those pleasures that, uh, that he chooses for a moment, but then take hold of him addictive pleasures. Whether that's 
pornography or alcohol or drugs or material possessions or even success. He looks for fulfillment in places that, honestly, it cannot ultimately be found. Yeah, it can, you can anesthetize it for a little while, but in the end, it will not ultimately satisfy. It comes up short. It's the woman who seeks self-worth through appearance or through relationships or through career or through family or children. Ultimately, it's looking for anything to complete you except God. It's trying to find completion. Uh, Here's an old Hebrew word for it, shalom, completeness, peace. It's trying to get to that place in some way, any way other than through God. And by the way, our lives are filled with that opportunity. If you don't believe me, whether you're unplugged or plugged, turn on your television for one hour today and see how many commercials you get. You can have a whole new you. I noticed an uptick in fitness equipment on Facebook just as the calendar got closer. Do you know why it's available now? Somebody's cleaning out what they amassed last January. That's why. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's trying to find completion in a way that we were never designed to be completed. You may ask, well, why would anyone do that if God readily and freely offers abundant life? I mean, if God really is, if Jesus who said the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you would right now in the moment, present tense, have life and have it to the full. If Jesus really did offer that, why would anybody look for it in somewhere else? Well, it's because those without God have a faulty understanding of who God is and what God desires. That was verse 19, back up to verse 18. Being darkened, same folks, they were darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them because of the hardness of their heart. You can see the pattern here as it backs in from from a presenting cause back to its source. There's a hardness of heart, a callousness is what he said in in the last verse we looked at. There's a hardness of heart that leads to an, an, a, a lack of understanding, ignorance, that leads to a darkness in, in the way we process things. Darkened understanding, as it's used in the text, simply speaks to an incapability to understand. It says, I, I hear you, but I don't understand what it is you're saying. And this is ignorance, it's hardness of heart actually working itself out to exclude them from life in God. Now, listen, you can't blame folk who are in that spot because they're only doing what their system is designed to do at that point. In other words, they're working from bad programming. Bad programming? That's exactly right. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. In, uh, in the field of computer coding, you're going to say, when did you become a computer coder? I'm not. I can turn my computer on and I know how to reboot it right before I call tech support. That's what I know. But in computer coding, logic errors are one of the most difficult errors to track down. They are correct programming that lead to doing the wrong thing. CNN 
wrote an article about something that happened in America. Some of you who can remember the 1900s clearly, way back when old people roamed the earth and were young. You may even remember the event. But uh, CNN, September the 30th, 1999, quote, NASA lost a $125 million Mars orbiter because a Lockheed Martin engineering team used English units of measurement while the agency's team used the more conventional metric system for a key spacecraft operation, according to a review finding released on Thursday, end quote. Let me translate that for you. Some dude said we got a $125 million orbiter that's going to measure the weather on Mars. And he was supposed to put the programming in centimeters and he put it in inches. So here's what happens. Orbiter goes up, orbiter's supposed to be making a run at Mars, supposed to be doing his thing. It's doing exactly what it's designed to do. It's just the wrong design, the wrong program. And they lost it. Now you think, man, I've lost my car keys before, or my cell phone. Try losing a $125 million orbiter. I thought there was some unemployment available. At that point, somebody had to get fired. They actually came back and said, well, it really wasn't his fault. It's just a pictures a cascading number of errors all throughout here because nobody caught this error. Here's the point. The orbiter didn't do anything wrong. It did exactly what it was programmed to do. It was just programmed wrong. That's folks without Jesus are just programmed wrong. And listen, you can't sit around and go, I can't believe they would do that. Why not? If you're not saved, why would you care? I've got folks that tell me, they said, man, I invited my lost neighbor to come to church. He doesn't want to come. Why would he? Why under heaven would you want to come into a room where some dude who don't even know the right direction to face, he faces against everybody else, sits there and tells you what's wrong with your life. That's ridiculous. I'm here to tell you, I don't hold anything against that dude. He's just doing what he's programmed to do. By the way, you and I were programmed that way if you're a Christ follower. But then you had your programming changed. See, the point is, if you use bad code, you can't get correct results. That's the futility of mind that he talks about when you back up to verse 17. He says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Paul describes a self-centered and futile way of thinking and he called those people who think that way to lay aside the old self. And by the way, that doesn't happen to you. It's something you have to choose. It's a personal decision. How do you know that, Chris? Because words mean something. And when Paul says lay aside, he uses the middle voice. Here's what that means for those of you who forgot sentence grammar in, from middle school. You yourself lay aside. I'm just sitting back waiting on Jesus to fix me. My mama used to make dinner every night. But I had to come to the table or I'd, I'd go to bed hungry. The food's there. But you've got you to want it enough to walk up to the table. That's what he said. He's calling them to lay aside. He said, you yourself, verse 22, lay aside that life. It doesn't just happen. You choose to act and then you act. 
So the problem is the darkened mind led to faulty, self-interested pursuit and the call to action is to lay aside all of that. But for the person far from God, it's difficult. I mean, they're doing all they know. So we, we need a solution. What's the solution then? Number two, he says, you need a renewed spirit in the mind. <clears throat> now, I, I don't want to be too simplistic here, but if the problem is a calloused heart and a faulty understanding, then the solution must be a softened heart and a new understanding. You think, boy, that education just showing right now, Chris. Not right. It's not hard. Well, it's not complicated. It's just sometimes not easy. Why? Because you've never been that way before. If you've not been there before, it looks difficult. Look at verse 23. And that you, my desire is that you, you've laid aside the old self, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. By the way, since we're talking about grammar, that be renewed is in the perfect passive. In other words, it's something that takes place once and you don't actually do that. Your mind is renewed because Christ has renewed it when you laid aside the old. In verse 18, it pointed to a corresponding ignorance. Verses 20 and 21 state that this ignorance is not the way of a Christian. Look at verses 20 and 21. He says, you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Christ. Now wait a minute, Chris. Are you saying that the pathway to abundant life is paved with new knowledge in Jesus? Hold on, you want to quote me on this? Yes. Abundant life is the road that gets you there is paved with new knowledge in Jesus. You've got to know what's available in order to do what needs to be done. You can't get there without knowledge. But I have feelings, feelings. <laughs> Your feelings will lie to you. What you need is knowledge. But I think, <laughs> you do need to think, but what you think is not authoritative. You need knowledge so you know what to think about. It's not your feelings, it's not your thinking, it's what you know. And by the way, you can't get anything more authoritative then an unchanging book, you got, to, you got to know what's in here. This will shock you. This will shock you. I've met people that have been Jesus followers for more than two or three years that have never read the book. You say, why would that shock me? I built a, whole, I built a bunch of toys around a Christmas tree this year, and I didn't even use that book they gave me, not once. I know. That's why you had parts left over. That's why you're young and said, isn't it supposed to make noise? And you said, no. That's that cheap model that makes noise. This model's quiet, stealth. It's a stealth toy. You were making up stuff. If you read the book, you'd have known how to build it according to design. And you can't get to what God's created you for without clear, new, intentional knowledge about Jesus. But now listen, God's not sitting back going, I don't want you to learn about me. Once you learn all the secrets about abundant life, you'll be like, you won't even want to talk to me anymore. No, he's like, once you realize what you can tap into, y'all not be able to get you to stop talking. Come get some. There's, how do I grow in my knowledge in Christ? Sir, well, I'm a Baptist. Let me give them to you in three A's. Three A's to grow it in your knowledge 
of Jesus. Where'd you get these, Chris? The Bible. The first key, the first essential is that you must acquire. You must acquire new knowledge. Now, some aren't growing because they're not dependently, regularly feasting on the Word of God. You're not growing. You're like, man, I'm doing everything I know with all that I know. I know you just need to know more. I thought they cut the mic off upstairs. Did y'all not hear me? You got to know more. You say, well, I, I don't like what I know now. Keep reading. It might get better. You have to acquire more. Psalm 119, verse 105. The psalmist writes and says, your word, Lord, is a lamp under my feet and a light to my path. You say, I keep stubbing my toe. Maybe you need some light. A lamp, the word, God. First thing is to acquire. Second, to apply. It's not enough to just acquire knowledge. You got to do something with it. Not just learning, but learning and applying. Joshua 1 and verse 8, Joshua said, how am I supposed to follow Moses? He was the, he was the bomb. Yeah, well, bury yourself in the word. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Acquire, apply. Number three, ask. Ask. Why? How do I make this not sound offensive? I have no idea. You're going to need Jesus to tell you how to read what you read. You're going to need Jesus to apply the text. And you only get that by asking. Acts 1 verse 14. Now, remember where we are in Acts 1. <clears throat> Jesus with all the disciples up on top of a mountain. They said, is now the time? We're going to get to be in charge of stuff now? He said, that's none of your business. You'll get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be witness of me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then they go back, lock themselves in a room, and do what good Baptists do. They ate. Well, they might have eaten, but that's not what it says. They spent time praying. Verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers you say well how do you know prayer works amazingly beginning in the very next verse we see Peter standing up in the midst and declaring all right here's what the Lord says Judas needs to be replaced he needs to be replaced by someone who's been with us all three of the years who's seen everything of Jesus coming and going or witnesses of the resurrection that needs to be the one and we're going to draw straws and oh, by the way, it fell to Matthias. He's the new guy. Hey, what if Peter had said, what we need to do is Google this thing. We need to get some opinions from folks. We, we should take a vote. Matt probably unemployed right now. I'm just saying, I, he, he never would have gotten selected. But they asked and God answered. By the way, that's exactly what Jesus tells us. Ask 
and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks to him the door's opened. Well, but I don't know if I'm part of the everyone. Pull your chair up. You is. You are. You mean he's promised to answer? He did. So how do I get more knowledge? Well, you've got to acquire some knowledge. You've got to spend some time in the book. You're going to have to apply what you learn. Because, hey, listen, this is something I learned about walking with Jesus. He doesn't give you step two till you walk around in step one for a minute. You're like, well, I just, if I knew the end of the story, I could just do that. Hey, Chris, I want to skip all the in-between step. How do I just get to be in charge of stuff? I pray you don't. You don't know enough to be in charge of stuff yet. Chris, I, I feel overwhelmed. I don't even know if I know how to be a good dad. Hold on. Get in the book, find out what it is to be a good man. Find out what it is to be a good follower. Then just do that. And let Jesus make you a good dad. Y'all with me? Man, I just wish, Chris, I knew how to be a more effective at, I wish I knew how to win more people to Jesus. <laughs> First, you got to know him. Then you got to talk about him. Then you got to listen real careful because Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Then you got to be there to clean up because he does the saving. You don't. He fixes it. You don't. You just put the pieces together. Does that make sense? <clears throat> a renewed mind is not really complicated, even if we don't find it easy. Put off old pursuits, which darkens our understanding. Renew our minds by seeking Jesus. Acquire, apply, ask. And then follow the progression that Paul gives us here because it's intentional. Put off the old, renew the mind, and then number three, put on the new. Go to verse 24. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The new self. That word new is the Greek word kainos. And uh, here's what he says. You've got to then, after you've put off the old, then you'll put on this new as your mind has been renewed. By the way, put on also in the middle voice. So just like before on the put off. Putting on is also our responsibility. You yourself put on the new man. Which, by the way, passive voice, was created by God. This new man who is created in righteousness and in truth, in the likeness of God. This new man, God does that work. But you have to choose to put it on. So there's a cementing if you will, in habit or action or discipline or devotion of activities that flow out of the new self and that feed the new self. They flow out of and they, they, uh, they, they feed, they, they supply the new self. They come out of the new self and they supply the new self. It's like this cycle. The more you grow, the more you put out, the more what you put out looks like what you need to put in in order to grow. And the reason to do this, to experience the fullness of abundant life that God created you for. Because here's the deal, you can't put on the new until you put off the old. 
And you need a renewed mind shaped by knowledge, knowing Jesus to put on the new man. And this requires, hear me, a definite decision, a choice to look and to treat with contempt, to treat with, con to treat with contempt everything of the old life while pursuing with zeal the new life which God has purposed for you, to treat with contempt everything in the old life. Listen to me. Sometimes that's the rub. Because see, we still got warm affections for the old life. <laughs> Chris, I, that's how it was before. You know, I just, every once in a while I go back over there. Yeah, but do you hate it when you do? Or do you high five yourself? Because until until we have a new mind, we can't see our old life the way Jesus sees it. But once we see it, if we're with him, we ought to think of that old the way he did. And you've got to, you have to choose to treat with contempt the old life and pursue with zeal the new life if you're to acquire the abundant life he created you for. By the way, that's not news to us. That's true with the human experience. There's a historical legend around Cortez and his conquest of the Aztec Empire when he shows up at the new land. Twelve boats show up and his fellows are sitting there going, we're going to take these guys down? He said, yeah. Well, what if we change our mind? He said, hold on, I got a solution for that. So he sets all the boats on fire. He said, there's no way back. The only thing we're going to do is to accomplish the goal we came here to do. You've got to make a definite decision. By the way, there's nothing like burning your boat to have a definite decision about you've got to move forward. You've got to put that aside. This is not who I am. This is who I am. What's that look like? I don't know yet. It's 23. We're just getting started. But that's who I am. This, that's not who I am anymore. And that decision, that definite peace is what's essential. Chris, what do you think 23 looks like for us? I think in 23, if Englewood, if we are to be the people God's called us to be, it, two primary characteristics have to define us. Two primary disciplines have to be true for us. We must choose to become people of prayer. We must choose, definite decision, middle voice. We must choose to become people of prayer. People of prayer. You say, well, that's, got it. What's next? Back up. We don't got it. How do you know that, Chris? Because <laughs> I go to the prayer wall. I see what we believe. Are y'all listening? Lean in. I see what we believe. That's why starting today, we're ki we've kicked off a 40-day prayer challenge, a prayer initiative. Now, this is, this is not complex. It's not complicated, but it is a challenge. And we've outlined that around a, uh, an outsider-friendly package called 40pray.com. All right. And it's 40 days of interceding for our city, interceding for our friends, interceding for our neighbors. And I'm asking every one of us today to commit to one simple task a day. Only one, only one task I'm asking us to commit to. One task, one task. Are you ready? One task. How many tasks? 
I'm just one task, only one. Here's the, here's the task. Every day, ask someone the question, how can I pray for you today? Who am I supposed to ask? I don't know, someone. If they have to be alive, your answers will come easier. <laughs> they have to be in person. Well, I imagine if you're with them, it'd be weird to text them, but... But just ask. Every day for the next 40 days, ask someone the question, how can I pray for you today? How can I pray for you today? How can I pray for you today? That's why some of you who read your email in the mornings got up this morning, you found a devotional. The pastors have put together 40 days of prayer-focused, Jesus-growing devotionals that'll be dropped into your inbox uh, one a day, every day for the next 40 days. I think it's actually 42 days, but 40 days where you're going to get a devotional that just kind of tunes our attention. First thing in the morning, here's where we are. You say, I don't get any emails from the church. It's because you blocked us. If you'll call the church, we'll, you, we can get you unblocked and you can get them. You say, well, I, I never blocked anybody. Well, then you've ghosted us. That's what you've done. You disappeared. You, you, you're st- the last email we got for you is the one you gave your middle school science teacher in 1971. So, if you'll let us know, you'll get the devotionals. They'll pop up in your inbox. So, first one this morning from uh, Pastor Charles, incredible uh, in this word from Jeremiah. So, you don't want to miss that. Hey, the site's up, 40pray.com. You can go there. The site's up. And uh, you'll get devotionals in your inbox. And out in the lobby, our staff's put together and picked up for you. These are free to you. long sleeve T-shirts. Let's say 40pray.com on the front and then catch us on the back. How can I pray for you today? You say, why is it that way? Because when you're standing in Walmart, (laughs) and that person behind you says, how can you pray for me today? What's that all about? You can say, let me slow it down for you. How can I pray for you today. Now, most of them are probably not going to ask you that question. They're just going to say right below that, 40pray.com, what's that? And they're going to go there and they'll have a place where they could list out a prayer concern or a request for folks. You say, how much are the shirts? Man, they're super expensive. They'll cost you the wearing of them. Pick them up, they're yours for free. And wear them. You'll probably, there are way more of you in here than there are shirts out there. But you ought to go by and get one. You say, well, blue's not my color. Get over it. I I got nothing else. What what am I supposed to tell you? I can't make it green. Get it. Wear it. The point's not the color. Well, I'm just not a t-shirt kind of guy. But are you a praying kind of guy? If you're a praying kind of guy, you'll get over the t-shirt. Hello? Are y'all following me? You say, man, this is some complex. Some of you are visiting today. You're like, that guy's weird. You have no idea. (laughs) If you'll come back for a few weeks, you'll be convinced of that. 40pray.com. First thing we have to do is choose to decide to become people of prayer. Now, I, I said only one thing for you to do. How can I pray for you today? But can I encourage you when you ask that question, then pray for somebody. I mean, don't just ask and go, that'll be cool. Man, I bet you do want some prayer for that. Don't do that. Pray for them. So I'm scared to pray for people. 
If they're asking you, you don't have to impress them none. They're telling you about something that's a mess in their life. They'll probably just care more that you care than in the words you say. How can I pray for you today? Simple question. The initiative should give us insights into the people around us and give us an opportunity to care as Jesus does, to love as Jesus does. You say, well, how's that? Well, while Jesus met many needs, he never did so apart from proclaiming the kingdom of God and God's provision for people to experience it. The first thing we need to do, choose to decide to become people of prayer. Secondly, we have to point people to Jesus. We have to point people to Jesus. Guys, if, if we're to accomplish what God's called us to be, to do, we have to point people to Jesus. We have to point people to Jesus. I can't save anybody, but I can point them to the one who saved me. I can't fix anybody, but I can point them to the one who's fixing me. I can't do any of the other crazy hard stuff, but I know who can. And I need to point them there. Now, here's what's interesting. How can I pray for you today? Chris, I got this chihuahua that is a pain in the booty. I, I'm sorry, if, if I'm not supposed to say booty in church, forgive me. I didn't know booty would offend you or I wouldn't have said booty. But if it did and I said it and it offended you, I apologize for saying booty. But I got this chihuahua that is a terrible pain in the caboose. And pray that my dog gets some sense. Man, I, I'd love to. Can I pray for your chihuahua right now? <laughs> Lord, I know that dog ain't got the programming for this. But if you just rewire its little old brain so that it wouldn't be such a pain in the, for this person, God, that'd show how strong you are. And I pray that you'd use this event in order to help them see that you do know and love and care for them and desire for them to experience the fullness of abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's what's crazy. We talk about sharing the gospel around here and the subject or around the model of three circles. The three circles begins with something that's broken in people's lives. So here's what that looks like for you. I believe if we ask the question, how can I pray for you today? We pray for them. Then we could go immediately to the next statement and say, can I share with you that I know your concern breaks God's heart? And can I show you how I know this? Well, Sure. Or, no, I don't want to know anything about your God. You just told me to talk to him on your behalf. That's weird. You follow me? Nobody's going to tell you no. Can I show you how I know it's messed up? And then, listen, on a dinner napkin, you can sit there and draw a circle and just go, God's design. When God made the world, he made it without, chihuah I mean, without bad chihuahuas. And uh, he had chalupas, but no chihuahuas. And, uh, and uh, God's design, it was, uh, it was perfect. But we tried to rework things to our advantage, and the Bible calls that sin. And what we end up with, we always find is brokenness, bad chihuahuas. But here's the deal. We try to fix that in our own little ways. We try to adjust. We try to complicated and what we find is is that the harder we work to try to make bad chihuahuas good chihuahuas we get nowhere now here's the deal God knew that too which is why he sent his son Jesus who was born of a virgin lived a perfect life died in our place and came to give us the power to be able to restore and experience the fullness of his life in us. that's called the gospel and for you and I to have access to that we have to first repent 
of trying to do things our own way, believe that God's already provided. And in the gospel, we find the power to recover and to experience God's original design. Would you like to know that power in your life today? Now you say, well, Chris, you went too fast. I couldn't follow that. That's good. We made it easy for you. When you go to englewoodbaptist.com slash gospel conversations, you'll find there a tutorial, a four-minute tutorial where a smart guy actually explains that over and over. And you'll be able to follow along with that. And you'll be able to do this. Let me ask you, what would it be like if God somehow, some way in the next 40 days allowed you to meet somebody you didn't know, to be an encourager to them by just saying, how can I pray for you today? And then praying for them. And then maybe, maybe God would allow you to be able to communicate his hope, his provision, his power to them by sitting down on a piece of paper and just talking about God's design, brokenness, the gospel, and how they can come back to God's design. Here's what I think would happen. I think I wouldn't be able to calm you down with ratchet straps and duct tape. I think you'd be like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. I was at Walmart, dude, bad chihuahua, dude got saved. I'd be like, I know, isn't that weird? Not the chihuahua, chihuahuas aren't saved. But uh, if you have a chihuahua, none were injured by my comments, so please don't at me, okay? I'm just, but what if you were able to be a conduit of hope for somebody? What if this year God used your experience, your boldness, your willingness to ask the question, how can I pray for you today? And your willingness to show people how Jesus has already provided for them. What if God had let us be part of seeing a city flipped on its end for Jesus? What if 2023 was one of those years where Jesus became essential? People forgot about us, but Jesus became essential in people's lives around us. You say, oh, we're too far gone for that. Have you read about the Roman Empire? Because the Bible says that 12 dudes... And their partners turned the world upside down with the gospel in that era. We not that. What if? What if God would do that? You would have to first ask the question, how can I pray for you today? Say that with me. How can I pray for you today? Y'all ain't ready for the choir yet, all right? So how can I pray for you today? How can I pray for you today? Boy, that was hard, wasn't it? You're done clean over the phobia of it right now. How can I pray for you today? What if right there, us being willing to be a people who chose to become people of prayer, who actually prayed for folks, and who were willing, if God opens the door, to show them how they could have the power and the presence and the provision of God in Christ. What might God do, not, not just in our church, but in our city? What might he do across our region? What might he do? You say, well, Chris, hey, pull your screen up. Chris, I'm stuck at home. 
you have a telephone. If not, you have internet or you ain't watching me right now. Chris, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Text somebody and ask them, how can I pray for you today? Now, for you enterprising young sweethearts who want to go and say, I'm just going to put that my status on Facebook. I, but that's not what I'm talking about. Message them if you can do that thing still. Message them and go, hey, how can I pray for you today? I think God's going to let us see something that we've never seen before. All because you were willing to ask a question, how can I pray for you today? And willing to actually pray. And then when God opens the door, if he opens the door, to tell them how they can have the power, the presence, and the provision of God in Christ Jesus. Now, about the only people I know who can't do that are those who've never met him. But if that's you today, you don't have to live that way. So you may say, well, Chris, I'm a member of the church. I was a member of a gym a long time and never got on the inside of me. I mean, obviously. Being a member of the church won't make you a Jesus guy. Well, I've been doing better. <laughs> inside out, not outside in. Maybe what you need is Jesus. Matter of fact, maybe you came here today because you thought, man, my marriage is a wreck. And if I don't get some help, my, I don't know that I'll be married this time next year. What you need, friends, Jesus. Well, but I was hoping to get a good book on it. I know where you can get 66. All bound up in one volume. For free. And what you'll learn in that, the knowledge, will lead to a renewed mind. And if you'll put off the old self, put on the new, Jesus will help change your life. He's the only thing that can. Dr. Fluffyhead can't do it. Pastor Chris can't do it. Oh, but Jesus can't be stopped. If you'll let him. Maybe that's what you need today. Maybe you say, well, Chris, I met him. I know, I know about all that stuff. I, I got drugged here by my wife. That's the only reason I'm at church today. I know, don't tell nobody. Because you could choose today to start over and let Jesus have his way. Would you do that? Pray with me, would you? Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has been a blessing. If today's message has prompted you to consider a next step with God, we would love to assist you. Simply drop by our website at inglewoodbaptist.com next or give us a call at 252-937-8254 and let us know how we can assist you. If today's message was an encouragement to you, let me encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you consume this content. That really helps us reach a wider audience with the life-changing hope of Jesus Christ. We hope you will join us next week. And until next time, may the Lord bless you.